about four years ago in Syria, a family gathered together for the funeral of a guy called Mohammed Rayan. He'd been in, a, in the marketplace in Douma, near Damascus, when it was shelled by government forces. And so when he never returned home, his family assumed that he was among those who'd been killed by the attack, and they began mourning him. But then on the third day of his wake, much to the shock of his family, Muhammad arrived home. All this time he'd been buried by the rubble from the shelling. But on the third day, he just woke up, escaped from the debris, and just made his way home, still covered in all the dust and all of the, the fragments of the, of, of the building that he was under, to appear in the middle of his own funeral. And so that's a picture, the bottom picture, of him, surrounded by his delighted family members, who moments before had been his mourners. It's an amazing good news story in a land that suffered so much over the last few years. So it was a mistake for Muhammad Rayan. He wasn't really dead. But it wasn't a mistake for Lazarus. Lazarus had been really ill, but while Jesus stayed where he was, Lazarus had died. His body had been buried. His family and his friends had gathered to mourn him. But even although it wasn't a mistake for with Lazarus, he really was dead, this was not the tragic end of Lazarus. That's because Jesus came to Bethany. And he is the resurrection. And he is the life. And this morning we're going to look at this amazing passage from John 11, eh, following on from where we left off last week, from verse 17 down to verse 44. But we're just going to read it in little sections. So keep your Bibles open if you've got one. And we're just going to read the first few verses for now. So John 11 and verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead, been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them. In the loss of their brother. When Jesus eventually arrived in Bethany, in response to Mary and Martha's request that we looked at last week, he came face to face with the reality of death. He'd been in the tomb for four days. Now for most of us, death is a really difficult subject. We all know that it's going to be part of our future. If Jesus doesn't come back, first of all, we know that we are going to die someday. And yet still, death is often an unspoken subject. A week or so ago in the news was news from researchers from the Bar Ilan University in Israel who claimed that the human brain is actually wired to stop us thinking about our own death. They claimed that when a person saw their own photograph with words related to death or funerals, their brain prediction system was shut off because it cannot put itself together with the idea of death. 
They said that the brain is wired this way so that we can just enjoy life in the moment without being focused on our own death. Now, I have no idea whether that research is a whole load of bunkum or if it's actually true. But what the Bible does say is that we are those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We are afraid of death. It impacts our minds. And most of us don't want to think about it too much. And the Bible tells us why it's like that. Because death is not just part of life, as some people say. Because death is not part of God's original plan for humanity. Death is an invader that came into this world as a result of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin. And in this way death came to all men because all sinned. So death has reigned over humanity because sin has reigned in all of our hearts and the wages of sin is death. And so whatever we do, whatever we work at, whatever we accomplish in this world, outside of Christ, death has the final say. It destroys our dreams. It takes our lives. It removes us from those that we love. And it separates us from God. I think that's why it's often so difficult to know what to say to those who have lost a loved one, who have just been bereaved. And they face the awful reality and the finality of death. We struggle to know how to help. We feel helpless and powerless. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't feel helpless or powerless. Jesus responded to this death in three distinct ways. To Martha, then to Mary, and then even to Lazarus. And I think each of these responses, each of these three responses in this passage can give us incredible comfort and hope in the face of death. So let's read the very first one. Uh, we only read again from John chapter 11, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Martha was more of a a woman of action than her sister Mary was. So she didn't wait for Jesus to arrive at her house. When she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. And when she saw him, she said these words, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Her words were an incredible mix of respect, of faith, and of pain. Deep respect because she recognized him as her Lord. Incredible faith because she expressed her confidence not only that Jesus would have been able to heal her brother if he had been there, if he had arrived earlier, but also her confidence that God could still do something incredible through him. But her words also expressed her grief of losing her brother and the disappointment that Jesus had not arrived sooner to spare them that loss. And I think when you read those words, I think we should be encouraged by them. Martha is this amazing woman of faith. And yet still, death impacted her. She struggled to come to terms with it. She struggled to understand it. And Jesus allowed her to express all of this to him. And that means it's okay for us today to bring our pain Our disappointment, our questions to Jesus. We don't need to keep silent. We don't need to suppress those questions, those doubts, those struggles. We can be open and honest to him, just like Martha was here. As Psalm 62 says, Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge but how would Jesus respond to Martha here what would he say to this woman who was going through this time of deep grief well with Martha he responded with profound truth Jesus said to her your brother will rise again. Death often feels final and decisive. The grave feels like the end. But Jesus declared for those who believe in him, death is not their destiny. Because there's a resurrection day. And Martha, this amazing woman of faith, believed this. She said, verse 24, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, there were a group in in Judaism, the Sadducees, who did not believe 
in the resurrection. They did not believe in life after death. They believed that death was the end. But Martha wasn't, wasn't fooled by them. She didn't believe that. She was convinced of the truth that there are a day coming when God's people will rise again. But Jesus that day had an even greater truth for Martha. Look at verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Throughout this gospel, we've seen Jesus as the giver of life. We've seen him give physical life to a dying boy. Renewed life to a, to a man who has been paralysed for years. Or to a blind man who was born blind. We've also seen Jesus offer new spiritual life to Nicodemus. Soul-satisfying life to the woman at the well. And life to the full to all who would accept him as their good shepherd. But here in this fifth, I am saying, he claimed to give a life to give nothing less than an indestructible life of the resurrection. Those who believe in him will not only rise again someday to experience life after death. In a very real way, they will never die. Yes, they will stop breathing. Yes, their body will decay. But for those who believe in Jesus, they can confidently say with Paul, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. To die is gain. Now that's not because life on earth here is worthless. It is not saying that at all. Our lives are incredibly precious. And we should value each and every day that the Lord gives. But rather to die is gain. Because it's then that we'll be away from the, the body. And at home with the Lord. For those who trust in Jesus, death is a defeated enemy. It cannot even separate us temporarily from the Lord. This is the victory that Jesus won for us through his own sacrificial death on the cross and his own victorious resurrection from the, from the grave. Those who trust in Jesus are brought into a life that will never end. What an amazing truth Jesus shared with Martha. And when Jesus asked her if she believed it, she responded with what I think is one of the most amazing declarations of faith in the Bible. This woman who was overcome with grief, grieving the loss of her, of her brother, struggling with all sorts of questions, look at what she said, verse 27. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. 
I don't think she fully understood everything that Jesus was saying here. I don't think she was, she'd got it. I don't think she'd fully comprehended it all. But even in her sadness and her sorrow and her pain and her loss, she knew who Jesus was. So she was willing to trust him. I wonder, are we? Are we willing to trust Jesus? Even in the middle of all of our doubts and struggles and questions, are we willing just to declare, I believe that you are the Christ? The Son of God. So Jesus responded to Martha with profound truth. But he responded to Mary with something different. Let's look at verse 28. And after she'd said this, she went back and and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could he, not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? All the time that Martha had been, had been talking with Jesus, Mary had stayed at home. But when she heard that Jesus was asking for her, she got up quickly to go to him. But when she met him through tears, she expressed that same mixture of respect and faith and pain. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Same words. But this time, Jesus did not respond with profound truth. Instead, he revealed passionate emotion. When they arrived at at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus wept. It's a very famous verse. The shortest in the Bible. You ever want to learn a memory verse? That's an easy one. But it's such an important verse, isn't it? Some people say that if we are people of faith, then it's wrong to grieve when somebody dies. Tears really show a lack of belief in the resurrection. Why are you crying? You should just be rejoicing. But Jesus didn't think that. He knew that the situation was about to change. And yet he still wept in grief. And I believe that his tears give us the permission to be authentic in our emotions. 
We do not need to pretend. We do not need to put on a mask. We don't need to try and cover up how we feel and put on this plastic smile. We can be real with how we feel today. But his tears also show the heart of God for the distressed. I think Jesus wept here today because he felt the pain of Mary and the others. He was connected with them in their grief. And God is always impacted by the tears of his people. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And this is such a characteristic of God that if we are His people, then we are called to follow this example in our lives. Paul teaches us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Like those who are celebrating a World Cup win in the rugby. And mourn with those who who mourn. Like those who lost the World Cup. Sorry, Alison. We are called to be with people in their rejoicing, in their celebration, and also in the deepest of their griefs. But Jesus didn't just show sadness and sympathy here. There's something even better. Verse 33 says, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now that's one little phrase. Jesus was deeply moved that causes lots of controversy among scholars about trying to understand what that's all about. Most scholars understand that this is better translated that Jesus was angry. He was outraged in spirit. But why? Why would Jesus be angry at this point? Some people have suggested that this is because of the lack of faith that was being expressed by Mary and the other mourners in their overwhelming, uncontrolled grief. I know we can't be dogmatic about these things because the passage doesn't actually say it, but I'm really not sure that this is consistent with how Jesus responds to those who are brokenhearted. The Gospel shows Jesus as someone who is moved with compassion for the hurting, not angered by their struggle to hold on to faith. And said, I think it's better to see this as anger at the impact that death has on those that he loves so much. Jesus was outraged at death and how it enslaved people in fear and caused so much pain. He knew that this is not how life should be. So Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. Not as a mourner overcome with grief so much, but more like a champion ready to battle our final enemy. And I think that's great news for us today. When we are faced with the reality of death, when our hearts cry out that this is wrong, this is not the way things should be, we can be encouraged that God feels exactly the same. 
And he feels that so strongly that he sent his son to be our saviour. To destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free all those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We're not just supposed to accept death as part of life. We're supposed to see it as an enemy that Jesus came to destroy. And Jesus demonstrated that so powerfully at the tomb of Lazarus. Let us read the last little section. Verse 38. Jesus was once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across its entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been dead four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said this, Jesus said, called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Martha believed in Jesus. But she didn't understand what he was going to do. Her brother had been dead for four days. His body had started to decay. For her, her only hope was a future resurrection sometime. But Jesus, as the resurrection and the life, was going to step into this tragic situation with powerful action. And so when he prayed, it wasn't a a desperate cry of pain to his father, but rather it was a confident expression of faith. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus wanted us to understand that he and his father are one in this mission. And that mission was one of conquering death. His shout of Lazarus come out was a powerful command. And Lazarus came out, still bound by the grave clothes like like a mummy from a bad Halloween film. Fully alive. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the the life. That day, people did see the glory of God in this miracle. They saw that Jesus is the true source of life. He is the champion over the grave. But of course, this, this amazing miracle is just the preview of an even greater miracle. Jesus' ultimate victory over the grave on the first Easter Sunday when the angel declared, He is not here. He has risen. It's this empty tomb that finally, ultimately declares that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
And the impact of this is that we can face death differently. We are not heading for the grave. Instead, we can look forward to the day when the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This is our certain hope. Jesus brings us into a life that will never end. A relationship with God that will never be broken. A hope that will never be extinguished. A love that will never be lost. So today with Paul, we can say, I'm convinced convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is the comfort and this is the hope that Jesus brings to us in the face of death. He brings us the profound truth that declares that He is the resurrection and the life. He brings us the passionate emotion that shows that He is with us in our pain. And He brings us the powerful action that demonstrates that He has defeated death and that through faith in Him, We do have eternal life. And no one can snatch us out of his hand.